Welcome to Revelant, where we are revealing the relevant and revolutionary word of God. I am your host, Mia Dunny, and today we will be discussing, are you like Daniel? Stay tuned. from Daniel, the first chapter. We'll be going through the entire chapter, so stay with us. And it reads, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. We see here that Judah rebelled against God and then went into Babylonian captivity. Now, this was often the case when God wanted to teach and train his children. As a result of this, the Lord allowed the king to take Judah and some of the vessels of the house of God. Now, vessels of the house of God in scripture references the containers in which God uses, whether for honorable or dishonorable purposes. But herein, we know that God often places his honorable vessels in places wherein he would later want to show forth his glory. Many times he placed his vessels of honor in difficult and strenuous situations to press out of them what he wanted them to produce. But in this text, we see a mixing of the holy and the profane. We see the king, Nebuchadnezzar, taking some of God's holy vessels and mixing them with the treasures of his God. And so you have vessels that are from God with treasures of the house of a foreign God. And this is significant because we as God's vessels in the earth must show forth his glory, even in idolatrous and heathen environments. We are called to be honorable and show the world how we stand for Christ, no matter the situation, no matter the place, no matter the circumstance that we may find ourselves in. And we are called into darkness to shine as lights, called to become what God desires us to become, even wherein our surroundings are not ideal. We go into the world and we shine our lights among them, not just with our words, but with our actions as well. And the question is, are we living for Christ as a vessel of honor for God's glory in a world full of other gods? See, God is a jealous God, and we are commanded to have no other gods before him, but the vessels, of, uh, the vessels that were from the house of God being brought among the treasures of his other God is symbolic of what we find ourselves in today. The children of Israel were always placed in captivity when they forgot their God, when they became distracted and lost focus on him. God used their captivity to teach them to refocus on him no matter where they found themselves and to not seek another. He wanted to teach them how to trust in him, how to lean on him during times of testing, how to be examples during trials. Daniel, the first chapter, third verse. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of these eunuchs, and we know that eunuchs were those who had been castrated, and that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Here, the ungodly king told his master of the eunuchs that he wanted children of Israel who were the offspring of leadership. Eunuchs, those who had been castrated and set apart for a certain specific task. 
And here we have the children of Israel, not just any children of Israel, but children who were reflective of Israel's God, the Lord Most High. The purpose was to re-educate them into learning anew the tongue of the Chaldeans and the culture of the Chaldeans. This was their objective, to cultivate children that would build upon what they had already held. In essence, they wanted to have those that were future leaders to be indoctrinated into the ways and language of the Chaldeans, the culture in which they live. This is common for it today, as you see many of today's youth who are being indoctrinated with the culture of today. We saw this uptick of it through the pandemic when they could only communicate through these devices and on those devices were social media uh, applications which allowed for them to mimic each other and learn the different things that were prevalent in the culture. In a state of captivity, they're being retrained on what is the ways of the culture. And here we see the King Nebuchadnezzar was strategic because he did not choose children who were just already a part of the culture. No, he chose the children of Israel, the king's seed, the princes, the leaders and the spiritual leaders of the next generation on whom was no blemish, but who were well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and had abilities why is this important? Because the enemy will seek after those children who are the Lord's. He will seek after those children who are without blemish. He will seek after those children, especially in this hour, because he knows that his time is short. He's seeking not unsaved children, but saved children who he can utilize. Because if he can get them symbolic of him and get them off track, that he can change a generation. But we need Daniels. We need Daniels. And here it says, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof that they may stand before the king. Now among those were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. It is in interesting that the king desired to change their diet, and the master of the eunuchs changed their names. In essence, he wanted to change their identities. If he could change their identities, he could ensure that they could stand before the king to be used. And this is how the enemy works. He wants to change our identity from what God wants us to be. He wants to change our name. He wants to give us his daily bread to eat. He wants to give us his wine. And he wants to re-indoctrinate us into his system. But God, on the other hand, wants to ensure that we hold fast to what we know, hold on to what we've learned, hold on to him and stand firm in the faith. Yes, we may waver at times, but it's important for us to keep going. And even when we find ourselves in the midst of a godless environment, he wants us to set the standard and show forth him. He wants, he doesn't want us to allow the environment to change us. He wants us to change the environment. We know what is the right thing to do. And here you see Daniel having a resolve. He purposed in his heart, it says in verse eight, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. 
Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Here you see Daniel purposing in his heart, making a decision. The Bible says, I hide thine word in, in, in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. Here we see Daniel who is bent on not defiling himself. Isn't that amazing? In a, in a, in a sense where here's is a mandate from the king, but yet Daniel is purposed in his heart, I will not defile myself. He's a child, but he has the understanding that I'm a child of God and I'm not gonna defile myself. And now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. The prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who has appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Now here is someone who's in obedience. This is his job. He wants to make sure that he doesn't get in trouble with the king, right? So if he lets this person slide without doing what the mandate of the king is, that can endanger his job. That can endanger his life. And so he's not wanting that. So even though Daniel has challenged, hey, give me an accommodation. Give me an exemption from this, right? Daniel, a child who believes in his God, that he was, does not have to defile himself. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Daniel believes this so strongly that he's finding a way. If the prince of the eunuchs won't give it to me, then I'll go to who the prince has put over us. And he says, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, 10 days and let them give us post to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented in, to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Can you imagine? See, see the prince of the eunuchs and the king had made an assumption that their mandate was better. But Daniel did not want to defile himself because that was against what God had commanded. These were children who were drinking wine. He did not want to defile himself. And some would say, oh, wine, that's not the same type of wine. It was like grape juice, but that's not the truth because we know that Noah got drunk on wine. So this was an intoxicating agent for children to be drinking. And this is what is going on. You know, the enemy wants our children to be on drugs, intoxicated, caught up with the world's way. He wants them to eat portions that he feeds versus give us our daily bread from God. And he wants us to be distracted by the things of this world he wants to reteach us and retrain us in the ways of the world. And he does that through mandates. But here are children who are saying no. 
And as a result of Daniel specifically, his stance, we know that later on, you know, Daniel's going to have to face a lion. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to have to face the fiery furnace. But they do so, and they're always successful. Why? Because they purpose in their heart to obey God. Are you like Daniel? As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom because they did not defile themselves. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. You see, when you obey God, he will bring you in front of great men. When you obey God and you don't defile yourself, he will show you forth as an object of his glory. When you obey God and you hear the voice of the Lord and you don't just go along with the culture, you don't just go along. See, see, many will say, you know, we're supposed to obey the laws of the land. God would have us do that. And that is true. But not to the degree that it overrides God's law because God's laws are higher. And we must be keen to hear his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice, another they will not follow. He says, he that hath an ear to hear, hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. It's important that we hear God's voice. It's important that we obey God's voice, even if the law of the land is such. Why? Because we are in the last days and the enemy knows his time is short. And he knows that if he can get a mandate to go forth and the children of God bow to the king of the land, then he doesn't have any restrictions to do what he wants to do to the next generation. See, he knows his time is short. He's trying to get as many to go with him as possible. That's why we've got to be purposeful in our hearts like Daniel was that we're not going to defile ourselves, that we're not going to follow after another God. And in all matters, it says, verse 20, of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all of his realm. See, God will reward those who diligently seek him. God will reward those who are seeking after him and wanting to do his will. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness sake, they will be filled. And it's not about the money and it's not about what men may feel like is tangible goods, but he gives them things that nobody can take away. Wisdom, understanding, 10 times better than all of the, the greats. And these were children. Let's not forget their parents were not around. They had to stand on the word of God that they knew apart from their parents. And Daniel, it says, continued even unto the first year of the king of Sire. Why is that? Because even if the person in government changed, even when the king changed, Daniel did not. And we have to be like Daniel, who shows us the way of the kingdom. 
within a kingdom <laughs> who shows us the way that we are supposed to be as children of the most high God, standing on him, listening to God's voice, purposing in our heart to not defile ourselves, not give into the culture, not be re-indoctrinated with some other doctrine, not to be a part of the world, but to stand firm in God's way, despite what is going on in the world. See, God's way is always the best way. Daniel's resolve allowed for him and his Israelite friends to obey their God against the orders of the king. And this is how we are to be in our lives. We must obey God rather than man, even when there is an overwhelming pressure to bend, break, or yield. It is when we follow God that we shine as leaders and he can bless us with wisdom and understanding. Notice that children made this resolve that it was children who decided to follow the Lord their God's commands rather than just doing whatever the other children did. And these children who took a stand against the orders of the culture and the king had to have a cognition that God was greater. Imagine for a second what this looks like. The decrees of a king are final. So is his commands. So to resist took extreme courage. Children rarely resist leadership, but when the leadership is against God, they must resist. To resist and be formidable against the trend and culture took extreme resolve and strength. This is what we must be about as lights in this dim, dark world. The enemy wants to retrain us into becoming like him, but we must stand flat-footed and stand firm and contend for the faith. We must resist the agenda of the enemy. No, I will not eat your food. No, I will not try to impress you. No, I will not succumb to the culture in ways that are foreign to what I have learned. And no, I will not receive another gospel. I will continue to showcase my relationship with God despite the environment. These children started a move, a movement. And we will see later that they, their commitment to God was still unwavering. Daniel would face a lion's deal, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a fiery furnace, and yet and still they would not bow to any other God. Are you like Daniel? It is in times of great difficulty that we show forth our commitment to God. Though we may toil with existing in a world that is increasingly wicked and unyielding, we must at all cost submit to God and ensure that we acknowledge him in all that we say and do enemy will not like this and of course there will be a time of review wherein he wants to re-examine our works and what that looks like if we obeyed him but the devil is a liar the 10-day review process was the example of this wherein Daniel and the other three boys had to reveal how their way which was God's way was better take for instance this vaccination that we are uh, being asked to take. What if we do not agree with taking it? Do not think that the enemy is not going to want to prove that by not taking it, you will be sicker, weaker, and less competitive in works relative to your peers. He wants to make you believe that you must take the culture, language, and the way of doing things that he wants you to do that he's laid out. He wants no defectors, no objectors. Notice the difference between the enemy and God. Enemy forces things on you, 
but God allows you choice. The enemy has laid out an agenda for all, one package deal, all, one size fits all. It doesn't allow for resistance. It doesn't take into consideration that your God allows you to express yourself individually under him. The enemy doesn't like this. He wants to make it difficult and make you fearful to not do what he wants you to do. And how will you look to your peers? He wants to utilize peer pressure to make you form, conform. You must not be different than them or it will show. But the devil is a liar. We show forth to the glory of God that we are always victorious when we obey God. When we obey God from the heart and he formulates a wisdom and a strategy and a plan, a knowing in us, as we serve him that cannot be quantified, then the enemy has lost his ammunition against us. When we don't seek to please man, but God with our life and actions, we may be ostracized by friends and foes. You see Daniel and his peers rose above their peers in excellence because of their obedience to God. I can imagine it was likely not a comfortable position to be in. It was not a situation where they had parents to back them up or support them. No, the king had taken them because the entire land was in captivity. They had to rely on their teachers and their belief in God, despite their parents not being around. And the enemy, again, strategically chose the ones he wanted to break and change. He goes after the real, not the fake. He chose the natural spiritual leaders of the next generation. And this is why it's important to not know, to take note of what is going on in our time today. The enemy knows his time is short and he wants to embarrass God by getting God's people into sin, shame, and condemnation. Daniel and the others could have not rocked the boat. They could have given themselves an out saying, we are just children. Their parents weren't around. And this is indicative of what the enemy does because when the parent takes a stand, he goes to the children. And it's important that children remember what their parents instilled in them. We, children don't need in this hour parents to rescue them, to help them make the right choices when they know of it. When they become of an age like Daniel and his, and his friends, it's up to them to make a decision, to purpose in their heart, to not be like the culture. They could have said, we need our parents to tell the king we don't want to eat that. However, God in this hour is requiring even children, just like Daniel, to not allow the enemy to change their names, to not allow the enemy to take their identity, to not allow the enemy to take away their relationship with God, to not allow the enemy to form them into a new way of thinking, believing, behaving, and are eating or drinking. The Bible says, when my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Think about it. This king was giving children wine. We know that this was, this was a big deal. It's a, wine is an intoxicant that alters your state of being in reality. Much like any drug, wine in children serves to make them more accessible to evil, to spirits, to demonic forces, the enemy wants the children of this day to be intoxicated, to be intoxicated and indoctrinated with the world. He wants to take their ability to rise up and become great. 
He wants to stifle them into being like everyone else, average, and take away their ability to be great. And Daniel knew that if he obeyed God, he would remain in the skillful, the knowledgeable, the chosen state that he had been in. Daniel knew that to begin taking in things that God did not desire for him to take in and ingest was the beginning of a different lifestyle. Who will be like Daniel? Who will reap the blessings and benefits of godliness? It may not be money and monetary, but he gave them skills in fact that gave them power within a kingdom. He gave them knowledge and abilities and skill sets that made them better than magicians. And he made them to the point where they could walk in the supernatural. That's far better than monies. That's far better than clothes. That's far better than kicks. He gave them power. Who will be like Daniel? Who will reap the blessings and benefits of godliness? Who will allow God to protect, God to validate, God to vindicate them when they choose God's way? We need more Daniels. We need young people that are like Daniel, who will rise above the enemy's ploys, seek out a strategy from God, overcome every resistance and become great in God. Are you like Daniel? Sitting here thinking about my life will never be the same. No, no, no. Since I left